0: You've seen the best. You've seen the worst.
1: Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh,
0: a warrior's drink. And I'm Ari, and I love you, Father. And today we'll be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, Yesterday's Enterprise, and The Offspring. But first, Ari, it's torture. There hasn't been new Star Trek for like a couple weeks. Yeah,
1: you were mentioning that it's been a really long time since there hasn't been new Star Trek. How how long?
0: <laughs> I think we've had forty eight consecutive weeks of new Star Trek uh, between five different series. You know, running over mm-hmm. the last year, and like once Strange New World ended, then there just wasn't anything. Uh, so, what would
1: be the next one that's coming? Picard
0: three. No, lower deck season three uh premieres at the end of august so that's okay. you know a whole month away <laughs> that is a long
1: time when you've been used to regular content
0: <laughs> I, you know I, I shouldn't complain like you know back there was in the a day, huge
1: time where there was no new star trek
0: <laughs> probably a good couple decades and also even like when star trek was on the air back in the day you still had to wait like three months for summer break before shows came back and here yeah. i'm just like oh six weeks
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you You know, that's one of the benefits of streaming is it's really broken the cycle of you get new episodes, but you only get good episodes in November and February. (laughs) And then you have to go, you know, months and months and months without any new episodes. And we only introduce the poops episodes of things or new episodes of things to the summer if we think they're going to fail. Like all that has kind of gone away with streaming. They can just put it in front of us and we're like, yes, please, content.
0: (laughs) Also, I appreciate that. Um. Because we're not using the old like network TV model where they're trying to push out like 26 episodes a season, right? Um, that they can do more focused episodes. You can have a 10 episode season where none of the episodes really feel like filler and right. uh, you feel like they were able to spend more than five days working on the episode. Now
1: you and I have talked about this for a long time because we've both watched a lot of British TV so once American TV started going towards 12 yes. and 6 and 8 episode seasons we were both excited because yes. we were like we know that you actually get quality episodes if it's not the first season of the reboot of Doctor Who. If you do 6 to 12 <laughs> episodes you usually get you know 6 to 12 episodes of quality content but and you know I just like to make fun of that first season of Doctor Who because there's some poop episodes but <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But um, it also, I don't know, it's interesting because we get to have all this content, but it also is like sometimes, though, they make some weird decisions. Like we were just talking about this one, which is why are they releasing Marvel and Disney content on the same day on Disney Plus? Like, why did I have to choose between Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan for me who works, you know, and I only get time to watch one TV show at night?
0: Well, and um, we're going to have run into that even uh, worse, uh, uh, like. In a month or so, because uh, She-Hulk and Andor are going to be running concurrently for seven and weeks. And they've got to
1: understand that we're that their their target audience is watching both of those shows. Yeah, like, if you're that's a Marvel fan, you're sense.
0: probably a Star Wars fan, so they should right. have those on different days.
1: Anyway, that's just my critique of the way that Disney Plus is doing things right now. But I mean, at least so after so then you how we have uh, lower decks coming. And then what comes after that? Is it going to be season three of Picard? Probably. Uh,
0: I think season three of Picard probably is going to come out uh, probably in January of next year. Um, I don't I, I they haven't announced release dates for anything other than lower decks. But I'm pretty sure once lower decks is over, then we'll get more Prodigy. And then we'll probably go into season five of Discovery.
1: Oh, yeah. Prodigy. I forgot about Prodigy.
0: Yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Anyway, it, it it's a very um first world problem to whine <laughs> about six weeks of no new Star Trek. Uh we're we're eating good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. But it's like you get used to it and you're like, but where's my Star Trek? I know. <laughs> All right, so before we talk about today's episodes, let's talk about the Patreon.
0: Absolutely. Uh head on over to patreon.com slash rest of both worlds if you're feeling so generous. Uh uh, for any amount, uh, you will get access to these episodes up to five days early. You'll also get access to a spot on our Discord where you can suggest these small talks that we have. And at the $10 tier, we will read your name at the end of each episode and nobody's claimed that one yet, so you could be the first.
1: You could be the very first one, yeah. Um, but now, we're going to talk about these episodes. Oh my gosh, these are both so good. I'm so excited to talk about these, especially because there's been a few in a row where I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Um, so today, we're going to talk about Yesterday's Enterprise, which is the 15th episode of the third season. It aired on the 19th of February, 1990. The teleplay was by Iris Stephen Baer, Richard Manning, Hans Beemler, and Richard D. Moore. The story was by Trent Christopher Ganino and L. Eric Stilwell, and it was directed by David
0: Carlson. I'm going to let you take the floor tasha i was
1: so excited i mean i had forgotten that you told me that she was probably coming back like i had literally forgotten and so i was watching this uh, the first part of this episode in the car because we were driving home from work and um my husband was driving so i was watching the episode and taking notes and like i'm like do to do stuff is happening do to do oh my god it's tasha (laughs) like i literally like yelled and paused it and i like squealed so loud and it was such a good Tasha episode. It mm-hmm. really made up for her death. I really felt like it did.
0: It was written basically as an apology for how Tasha died. They're well, like, no- yeah, her death meant nothing and it was stupid. So uh, uh, why don't we give her the agency to choose the, yeah. the way she goes out?
1: I agree. It's so good. And the and the, the bit between her and Guinan was really good. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the beginning before I start, you know, ranting and raving about how good it was. Um it with so they're flying around doing their thing and they find this weird no gynon and Gynen and warf are having a discussion in 10 forward and my notes even say Gynen and warf that's a weird pairing we don't generally see them together too much and it was because they were about to whisk him away
0: that's right because warf <laughs> yeah. isn't in the episode as soon as the timeline changes uh Worf is gone because well the federation and the klingons are at war but we'll get there right um, <laughs> i liked this opening episode because it First, yeah, it gives Worf something to do because he's not in the rest of the episode, but it also make, sets the stage that it's kind of a Guinan-focused episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she gives him prune juice, uh, which he calls a warrior's <laughs> drink, which um, probably one of my favorite line reads in all of Star Trek. Just Yeah. The way he, like, looks at the glass and smiles with no understanding of the cultural uh, context of prune juice as being an old person's drink. That's what my grandma uses to go to the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I wondered if she was going to tell him that part or just let him find that out on the battlefield later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: By the way, this prune juice thing actually becomes a running gag in Deep Space Nine. Oh, does it? Quark hates Worf as a customer because that's all he orders.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then they pass through the time, the magic time portal that we've seen in a couple other Star Trek things, I feel like, because it felt a lot like 2000 and. Well, through it,
0: but something passes through it.
1: Right. And that's what changes them. Because that was actually what threw me off at first. At first, I. So they're there they and all of a sudden it shifts and the whole tone shifts like all of a sudden guidance wearing red instead of blue or vice versa and like everybody's different yeah it's really dark like really dark um everywhere with all these different lights so it's like oh and i thought we had switched to a different enterprise and then they're like oh look it's the enterprise i'm like oh okay so they're looking at the us version of the enterprise and this is the you know evil version of the enterprise (laughs) but then they're like no it turns out that like and it, it took me a a minute to catch on to the fact that they switched that it wasn't uh-huh. like we switched to a different ship it took me a while to figure out they switched it took dynan walking around saying hey something's not right
0: <laughs> well there's a shot like as as the enterprise c comes through the portal you look at picard on the bridge and they do like a little effect as they transition from the main timeline to the altered timeline. And I thought that was lighting. them
1: just showing us that we were going to the other Enterprise. But that's that was just me misunderstanding. I figured it out pretty read. quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but OK, so they get there. And of course, the very first thing that we notice is that because when they see the anomaly show up and he's in 10 forward, he's like Worf to the bridge. And the first thing that we see is that instead of Worf, it's Tasha. She's back in her position as mm-hmm. um, security Professor, i can't remember her title
0: security professor <laughs>
1: <laughs> also like deanna deanna's missing for no known reason like Wharfs makes sense because we quickly find out that the federation has been at war with the klingons so we're like so that's where you start to go hmm okay what's going on here that would explain why Wharf isn't a, a federation officer is because he's off being in the klingons or some such thing right Right. So we find out we've been in war with the Klingons, and then they're like, what ship is that? And then in the most excruciatingly slow way, Tasha reads out, you know, the NC-1701. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I, and then she says, C. And mm-hmm. I thought, is it going to be Kirk? <laughs> like I was like, who's C? I couldn't think of who C was. You know, I'm terrible Brand with the designations. Won. Okay, so right. it was one we hadn't seen before.
0: Correct. Yeah, there have been uh, Kirk Kirk had the Enterprise and the Enterprise A. Then the Enterprise B shows up in Star Trek Generations, and uh, that's captained by Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Then we've got this one, the Enterprise C, and then Enterprise D is Picard's ship.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And they are apparently from 22 years in the future where they were supposed to, or past, sorry, now they're 22 years in the future, where they were supposed to be helping protect a Klingon outpost. So Mm -hmm. the theory quickly becomes of the show, I don't know who comes up with it. I think we're just supposed to understand that it changed. Was it Guinan? Because
0: Guinan is able to feel the change in the timeline. She's able to look around and go, things aren't right. We aren't right. supposed to be at war. Uh, there are supposed to be children on the ship, and Picard's like, "Why would we have children, children on a ship of war?" Because he's back to
1: I'm a dick and I don't like kids. Yeah, because he because <laughs> he never got to have his experience. But ex- but Wesley is there in a real uniform, which That's I thought what was I interesting. Wanted to know, because Wesley's yeah. still
0: like seventeen. Why is he an officer? He probably should have so been gone. That they're yeah. en- enlisting like child soldiers now. I- yeah.
1: Plus, at his age, when all this happened and the war started, his dad would have been he wouldn't have been alive and so his dad would still be alive because he's only 17 and it was 22 years prior or whatever so his dad probably wouldn't be dead in the same way that he died because he would have been fighting in the war but these were all things I thought of and these are all problems that get created when you make a time travel episode yeah. you know like we can these are just time travel episode problems but i will um, note
0: though that this is the first time that we see wesley as a full ensign not an acting ensign because he's actually just wearing the same color uniform as everyone it was else so cute
1: i loved it i was like i bet they fast-tracked him through like starfleet <laughs> or something because of yeah. the war
0: i have to imagine yeah. it was a situation where th- he got a uh, special exception maybe he was just smart enough that he was able to uh Uh, emancipate early or something like that right yeah join star Starfleet academy early and they're like we need you we're desperate and you're probably one of the best uh uh, officer candidates ever so let's get you in there let's get you yeah we don't even need the traveler to tell us
1: (laughs) yeah exactly you know just get old good old ender you know Um, (laughs) (laughs) so there's no so the here's 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 one of my biggest like complaints about the episode was i really wanted to see Worf with the klingons Uh Uh-huh. Because why didn't we get to see that? It's this other world where he... I don't know Worf's backstory yet very well. I just know that he wasn't raised by other Klingons. But when they were like, four birds of prey or uncloaking. I was like, oh, good. It'll be Worf versus the the next generation ship, right? I was like, this will be perfect.
0: And they just skipped over that. I think in this timeline, Worf's probably dead. And here's why. Because he was uh, a
1: foundling, right?
0: (laughs) Right. And actually, I think, honestly... This show had a missed opportunity because uh Worf was rescued by a Starfleet vessel after Romulans attacked his planet. But it's a oh. different situation than the one where the Enterprise C is defending a Klingon outpost against a Romulan attack. And they could have just said, oh, they were defending Kittermer because that's Worf's planet. Right. But they made it a, a different place. And uh, I was just like, well, th- I mean... That right there would explain why Worf isn't there because Worf died. You know, sending them back would literally just save Worf's life. But uh, they didn't go with that. It's a different time that the Romulans attacked the Klingons. But I still think um, because they happened, because this is 22 years ago, and I think Worf's colony was attacked like 20 years ago, uh, because of this event, because this event didn't happen, the Klingons and uh, uh, the Federation are at war. So the Federation wouldn't have saved Kittimer
1: right they would not have yeah, yeah so Wharf would be dead, you're right. yes. um so then the the B plot is that Tasha gets to be a real human That's like right she gets to be a real girl and run around the ship um and they even have a cute moment between her and data in the elevator, the turbo lift where they're like having a conversation and I just thought... Uh-huh tash plus data data on my (laughs) on my notes (laughs) um but i mean i think that was i I liked the way they shot it where he was facing forward and she was facing the camera something Mm -hmm. about it was just like they're letting because we're the only people that know that they even had this moment right? right so another person that i thought should have potentially been weirded out by this whole timeline thing and maybe had an inkling would have been data like i was trying to figure out like the people who would be sensitive to this time shift right well of course Gynen, and of course diana but Deanna was just not there so we assume that they didn't have a need for a counselor for a ship's
0: counselor on Warship, yeah yeah um, i i don't think data would have any uh way to know that the timeline has shifted and i don't think it would really occur to him i think gynon's species well, when was have when, a lot when more was like- he created uh How old is Data? is about the same age as Wesley, so um
1: So we have to assume that the war didn't affect Sung in any way while he was creating Data? I don't know, these yeah. are just questions that the episode asks, you know? Like which is what happens when you open the can of worms that is a time travel episode. Sure. <laughs> but And then okay, so Tasha beginning to be a real girl. She really gets she catches it hard for Only my mother calls me Richard.
0: Oh, Shooter McGavin. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And she, she like falls hard for him real quick. And I thought it was kind of cute, you know, but really he's like 30 years older than her. Right. So.
0: (laughs) Is he (laughs) He, though? I'm pretty sure they're about the same age.
1: But like he says, if he's like, well, if you ever see a 50 year old? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um. So then it becomes that she and can't stop staring at her creepily so she figures out she's supposed to be dead because Guiden can just not control her eyeballs <laughs> Like she spends the whole episode staring at her so she's finally like what <laughs> And Guiden tells her you know she figures it out or whatever which it was cute I mean it was understandable and especially because Guiden doesn't know Tasha which yeah. led to like I teared up a little bit too these both of these episodes made me tear up a little bit I teared up when at the end of the episode she's across from Jordy and she's like, So tell me about Tasha Yar. And I was like, Well, oh, oh. she got cured by a killed by a garbage bag. <laughs> That's what you need to know about her. And then she got buried in a Windows XP background. <laughs> Can't wait for you to rewatch that on the Holodeck Garden.
0: <laughs> so um this episode I'm actually kind of like doing like a I'm I'm trying to put together a YouTube video where I do like a page one rewrite of Star Trek Generations cuz mm-hmm. a, a lot of people think that movie was kind of disappointing um and it didn't handle a lot of things well and my idea was a page one rewrite that takes the basic premise of this episode. And instead of the Enterprise C, it's the Enterprise A. So we get Kirk's crew and Picard's crew interacting.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And it would also involve bringing back Tasha. So, you know, and...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But also, in my idea, uh, Worf would be the villain in this one because it would be alternate Worf, and he would be like the captain of a, of a, a... a Klingon bird of prey that's attacking them and stuff. So, yeah. you know, that was my idea.
1: Yes, I wanted to see evil Wharf or, you know, goatee wharf I don't know what to call him. You know, like I wanted to see Klingon Wharf. I wanted to see him be the bad guy. <laughs> but so she figures out she's supposed to be dead. And basically she decides that she's going to go. Because by now they've convinced the other ship to go back to through the temporal flux thing because basically they're like if you stay here that's bad because this war will continue we're six months away from being defeated by the klingons which i thought was interesting
0: but if they go back in time and rescue the klingons this war might never happen
1: and everything goes back to the way we know it exactly and so they've decided this is the decision that they've made the they're all very valiant about it and they want to go back so they do and then the captain lady gets killed right away like, just yeah. right away, she just gets killed. So
0: They get ambushed by Klingons before they're able to go back. Yeah,
1: so they're trying to get back, but they can't. So then they come back to the ship, and they're trying to decide what to do. And basically, after all of this, Tasha makes the most baddest-ass decision of her entire life. And she's like, I'm going over there. You know, and I, I, think, I think she said something like, I'm not asking, I'm not seeking your consent to... I think that was her saying that to Picard, if I remember correctly. Like, I'm not really asking you if I can, because I'm not going to exist once they go back in time anyway. And so now she goes on the ship and she's back there and everything gets put back. So what happened to Tasha? Is there more coming?
0: Uh, that's a very good
1: question. Okay. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I did notice on the memory alpha that it said sella like one of six for the arc or something, but I didn't know what that meant.
0: Ignore that completely. That's not information that you need to know yet. Okay. But yeah.
1: <laughs> but that means, because that means that Tasha, especially because they did go back and save that outpost, that means that Tasha didn't die potentially that means potentially. there's an older version of tasha out there running around at the same time that she was existing in like starfleet and stuff and i want to read that book <laughs> <laughs> but i loved this episode oh they also killed Riker in a very like multiverse of madness kind of way they were like wow we've got the chance
0: <laughs> apparently they wanted uh they wanted to kill more people on the bridge Like, they wanted the the battle to just look like, oh, the the Enterprise D is going to die here. And so, like, not only in the original scripts, not only does Riker die, but also, like, Data was supposed to be electrocuted by his console. And apparently Wesley was supposed to get decapitated. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That would be be a little disturbing. I, I imagine they wouldn't have, like, you see the head rolling. It would probably just be like a bulkhead comes down and, like... Cuts right right before it hits his head or something like that. But, um,
1: yeah, no, that's awful. Also, did you
0: notice how? Riker and Picard don't get along in this timeline.
1: I did. I thought that was interesting. I thought that maybe Picard is not as good of a captain when he's having to be a wartime captain, or maybe Riker is not good at being at wartime. That was the I was trying to decide which one I thought was worse. I think that Riker would like relish wartime, it feels like, but he would also get tired of it because at his heart, he just wants to, you know, meet girls and have a good time,
0: you know? I think <laughs> he was, um, I think it's more on him than it is on Picard. I think just the war probably has made him a lot more jaded. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's, yeah, he just, he and Picard just don't get along as well. Also, because they're at war, so they never would have had children, Picard never had the opportunity to be vulnerable with him and say, hey, I need you to help me not make an ass of myself in front of kids.
1: Right, yeah, which was a huge part of his, yeah, which was a huge part of his, like, development you know um so what did you think of richard i didn't like him at first um but i he grew on me by the end he was very valiant to go back and die to hopefully sit, reset the timeline you know
0: i f- i felt for him cuz like he was like the only officer left on the ship and he was kind of like like a, a a junior officer basically but just everyone yeah. else died and so it's just him like it's like the helmsman or whatever like okay you get to be captain now and i'm just like poor guy
1: and if they all died, because they didn't actually tell us what the history ended up being, right? Right. So if they all died, and you know, everybody on that ship, but they still saved the outpost. Nobody's even going to know the sacrifice that all those people made. Like, well,
0: it depends on how the battle goes.
1: Yeah, and we we don't know. We, we don't went know. back to whatever it was before because the timeline goes completely back to normal. Except for that now we don't know this is actually a splintered timeline and, and in like 10 seasons from now, they're going to come back and be like, ha ha, you're actually in a- <laughs> an alternate timeline.
0: I mean, the fact that Tasha went back on the Enterprise C, that alone would have made some alteration to the timeline that wasn't there before. I would well, because
1: she did it officially, too. She like asked to be transferred over there and she yeah. was. So she would have been on the roster for that ship that's something i thought about too
0: that's possible um they might have avoided that just for um you know uh avoiding i know know, all that you're gonna
1: screw up the timeline stuff and then when it comes to tasha he's like see ya have a good time
0: i think it's more that because they know that the enterprise c is gonna be is gonna fail like like they're gonna go there and they're not going to survive history recorded them as, as as dying there but you know give them a better fighting chance, defend the Klingons, the Klingons see the honor of the Federation in defending them so they don't go to war.
1: Yeah, which is such a cool way because we never really saw the Klingon thing happen. It just happened off screen, right? Because next generation starts and all of a sudden Worf is just a part of the Federation. Yeah. So it it makes it interesting um, that we got to see that part and it actually had to do with our regular merry band of heroes, you know, created it so that Worf could be a member of their team essentially. I wasn't surprised to see Ronald Dismore's name on this one. Um, And I was also interested to see that um, it had so many writers um, because there was like six names written. I'm pulling it back up here. So the teleplay has four people on it two three of which I've seen before I don't know if we've seen Ira Stephen Bear right before but the story was by Eric Stilwell and Trent Christopher Ganino sounds like it was
0: just a grip project in the writers room and
1: you could hear that or you could see that in the way that it was written in a good way like this one felt like it was elevated above Mm -hmm. some of the other episodes and I was like so how do you guys do this every time (laughs) Well,
0: I, I think probably Ira Bear and Ronald Moore are a bit of that magic Ira Stephen Bear uh, is the uh, showrunner for Deep Space Nine, so oh, um, okay. He's he's a he's a pretty good writer. He's a solid dude. Yeah, um, and then Ronald D Moore is Ronald D Moore. We we all know what he's capable of, right?
1: Yeah, at the time we weren't, but yeah. So this did you have anything
0: else? Yeah. So before we move on to the next episode, there was one thing that I uh noticed with the uh the Enterprise C crew is they're using the uh the uh movie uniforms, like the Wrath of Khan style, the the mm-hmm. red uh wraparound with the clasp thing. But they don't have the um the pleated turtleneck undershirt. They like removed that part of the costume. Oh interesting. Which makes it look cheaper
1: yeah i thought it looked weird and i couldn't figure out why they
0: that was a deliberate choice to remove that part of it because they wanted to say okay well you know those uniforms have been around for a while but they still were making changes and so one of the changes is they remove that bit but i i I like that bit also that's the bit that shows like their division color because the undershirt was always supposed to be uh colored differently depending like i think um McCoy's was like a, a a light cyan or something. Oh, okay. um, so but so they didn't have that, and so it's kind of I don't think you have division colors now with right. uh, that yeah. era. So that's a little weird, but
1: yeah, that's interesting. I knew they were older looking ones, and I assumed that they had pulled them from somewhere. I just don't know the uniforms as well as you do.
0: Yeah, they're the uniforms from uh, Star Trek's two through six. So
1: okay that's why they looked familiar (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so the next one we're going to talk about is the offspring it's the third or the 16th episode of the third season it first aired on the 12th of march 1990 it was written by renee Echeverria, and it was directed by good old jonathan frakes i think this is his first directorial right
0: it is his debut this is the first time he has ever directed anything And what an episode to debut. Jeez,
1: yeah. So I loved this episode. I loved last episode. I loved this episode. This was a really good episode at first. I was not liking it. I'm not going to lie. Um, you texted
0: me and you're like, I'm halfway through the episode with Data's creepy daughter. And I was just like, oh, you better take that back. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, she hadn't turned into a daughter yet. She was still choosing her gender. Um, she she, she but... hadn't
0: become a real boy yet. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's the plot is Data goes to a conference and comes back with all his knowledge and he makes a kid. And then it comes out as a creepy thing. And Picard is really upset, like more than I expected Picard to be about it. And then after being as upset as he was, he also is the one that goes to bat for Data to keep the kid. Nice. There was
0: a um, there, there was a parallel I noticed in Picard's arc in this episode that was very similar to Measure of a Man. Because you remember at the beginning of that episode, Picard is actually trying to convince Data to agree to the procedure that Data's refusing. Yes. And then he's able to recognize that Data is asserting his rights, and then he goes to bat for him. And I think it's a, a similar thing here where Picard, is, his knee-jerk reaction is, well, that's not your child. You built that, and... You know, you didn't like give birth to it, so it's not the same thing. But I mean, for an android species, their it is method of reproduction <laughs> would be different from ours. Also, Data built the positronic brain using his own brain; like he wouldn't have been able to do it without using his own brain. Like he he copied a lot of stuff onto it, so it's basically like, yeah, no, that it it is. He cloned
1: his brain and he made a kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It,
0: it it is android reproduction. Right. Uh, his daughter's name is Lal, and it's. Lao's not his daughter at first. He creates Lao as like a, a formless, genderless being because he wants Lao to decide its own gender and appearance.
1: Cuz data says trans rights. That's um, right. What's so funny is I had just seen a screenshot of this episode. Um like four days ago. I almost sent it to you. Uh And it was a picture of, it was like a meme where it says people say Star Trek's too woke now, but woke now, but this was Star Trek in 1990 with the shot of him saying to Deanna, I'm allowing my child to choose their own sex and appearance or whatever. And I was like, Oh, interesting. I said, 1990 in my head, we're going to get to that one real quick. And it's the next (laughs) one. Yeah. Um, And so I had been waiting on that. And then it happened in this episode as the mother of trans kids, mother of trans foster kids. Like I was like, yes, me too data <laughs> Wait to parent you know
0: <laughs> um I, I also love because uh data takes lao to the holodeck and like diana's coming along with and is like well uh, i've got several thousand iterations for lao to look on and then diana's like Thousands and there's like it is an important decision. It is how Lyle's going to be perceived, you know. Yeah. And like then it, it cuts to like Deanna is just like sitting sleeping, sleeping at the, sleeping in the yeah. corner of the holodeck. And Data wakes her up. She's like, "Oh, she's she's narrowed it down to four choices."
1: I liked the little green Martian lady. I thought that was cute. That I was an Andorian. Andorian, yeah. It was
0: a really weird looking Andorian. It's the only Andorian we've seen in the next generation. We actually. Uh, don't see another Andorian until, uh, Enterprise, in which they look okay. much better. But, yeah. um, yeah, it would, it looked really weird, because Andorian is supposed to be blue-skinned, but she was a little tint of green there. She was more
1: like a little green man, yeah. Yeah. Um, now the one thing that, you know, it was 1990, they were like, but you have to choose a gender, and I was like, no you don't but you know that's fine well i'm just happy they were being open about the child getting to choose their gender which actually led to a really funny moment for me in my head because he's like i've downloaded every parenting book on (laughs) parenting and my brain was like that means he read dr spock which i always thought was written by leonard nimoy when i was a kid (laughs) my mom had it on the shelf and i thought dr spock meant dr spock you know and i had no idea so i laughed about that to myself that moment um i loved i loved deanna looking at him and going it's a girl
0: because yes. i thought that was so cute it was a proper gender reveal party you know what data holds the best gender reveal parties because you go to sleep for several hours and when you wake up the
1: person's chosen for themselves Yeah, <laughs> but yeah
0: no it, it is funny because when uh because they're walking through the hall before lal has chosen and Lal is like looking at uh, different people, go gender, female, gender, male. And then yeah. look at uh, Lal, looks looks at herself and goes, uh, gender, neuter. And there's like, yes, you must choose one. And I'm like, well, must you? Or yeah. do you get to?
1: <laughs> yeah, you get to. Yeah. Um. um and then once she, once she's a girl, Lal becomes very annoying with all the questions. And well, she's there's, a little kid. <laughs> right. But like, it, it, it was funny because. I actually felt like maybe Data was getting annoyed with her maybe a little bit and I was like well, well he does I mean,
0: shut her off because was she's asking ask too many if questions if he shut
1: her off I was like you can't call yourself a parent and then Vicky the wonder robot her into the closet when you don't want to deal with her <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, small wonders that's what it was called like I was like did he just shut her off or is she just looking longingly at the floor I can't tell <laughs> But she did this thing where she was asking a bunch of questions. Why do I have two hands? Why do we this? Why do we that? Why do we this? And he shuts her off. And I had this moment because my... And so when I was little, Uh if I was raised in a weird religious household and I was homeschooled, so any... I was pretty precocious and so anytime I would have a question I would say like why did God this why did God make men and women different why this why that why this and my mother banned questions that ask God why from our house <laughs> I'm not allowed to ask why God questions because you're not allowed to question God and so I was watching or watching this episode and I was like oh this is why my mom told me I wasn't allowed to <laughs> ask
0: why God questions because they're annoying <laughs> they're annoying
1: and then the other part that it reminded me of is the, is the Jonathan Frakes show. I don't know what it's called because I've only seen the clips of him asking the questions.
0: Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction.
1: Right, I used to watch it when it was on, uh-huh. and um, so where it's all like, well, "Have you ever been on a date? Think of the tallest man you've ever met," <laughs> you know, like all those <laughs> things. He's like rattling them all off. That's it reminded me of that too. But I thought it was so interesting because he did seem to turn her off and almost be annoyed, like in this episode where they're trying to show us the distinct difference between an android that has feelings and an android that doesn't. Mm-hmm. He still, still had seemed to have feelings.
0: Well, did you notice when uh, Data asks Beverly for parenting advice and uh, she, you know, says that um, uh, children above all else need like love and support? And he's like, well, I will support her, but I'm incapable of loving her. And he gets and walks off. And Beverly, Beverly's like, why do I not believe that?
1: Right. I know. I know. Because it's not true. Like, he no, just thinks he... he can't feel love like humans feel love, but he feels love in his way.
0: Yeah um he's obviously like no the entire episode you see his love and his pride for for his daughter um when she uses a contraction something he can't do Mm -hmm. he he's swelling with pride he's like that's amazing wow also the (laughs) can we talk about uh uh lal working in ten forwards to get uh more socialized yes Um, when she sees uh, a couple that they're like kissing in in the corner, and she's like, he's biting that female, and then Gaijin has to explain, you know, uh, romance and stuff. The right. script originally called for Gaijin to say, uh, "Men and women, okay, when men and women love each other." But uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, we're changing it to when humans love each other because Good. we're going to be." In fact, I think there had even been like somebody had wanted to have like. Uh, same-sex partner uh, pairing, just like often in, uh, in the background, just holding hands, but not not like pay attention to it. But right, you know, Rick Berman, the studio, homophobia. Whoopi Goldberg got what she was able to get from it, and yeah. I, I appreciate that she was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to heteronormative this stuff up. Um, That's nice I, of Whoopi. I also appreciate. Uh, that Riker's one scene in this episode because he's directing, so you know he's uh, uh, behind the camera more than not. But he like that has, explains
1: he, why he wasn't there. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's been off on like leave or something, and his shuttle uh, arrives. And well, he and walks. he first
1: sees her, and he's like, "Oh, a new girl," and then she, <laughs> and <laughs> she, then she just grabs him and him. kisses
0: him, yeah. and like Guinan's like, "Wow, stop that! No, no, no!" He, <laughs> and then and but Data walks in just as those lines. It's like uh, Commander. What are your intentions, intentions with, with my, my daughter? daughter? And Riker has never run out of anywhere so fast. <laughs> yeah.
1: So like, I got problems with that. With that line, though, it's supposed to be a perfect utopia with equality. No one should be saying those lines anymore. Like the girl should get to decide for herself.
0: To be fair, Lal is like a, a month old at this point.
1: no I get it I just and and I get the joke and I thought it was funny but my brain was like yeah that doesn't track with a utopia where people get to decide for themselves but it's funny so we'll let it go Um oh and then the, so the part we forgot about the plot is that this guy from Starfleet who's a huge jerk wants to come and take Lal away Lal away because he can't see her as anything but a robot and not That's a person.
0: Right. He has concerns that data is not providing an adequate uh, um environment for a new AI to learn and grow. Yeah. And uh you know data is just like I mean y- you could say that about any new parent. That like he he's constantly bringing things back to everything that you're describing is issues that humans deal with as as parents as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's the same things that white people tend to say of people of other races as well. Mm -hmm. That was something else I noticed, especially as someone who's you know worked with the foster system and such. White people often think that they can provide a better home for people of color because they'll just you know they think every you know person of whatever color is a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And so there was a lot of that too. Like we can take your daughter and we can put her in the school she needs to go into but my question about him is how come every starfleet officer in in starfleet always comes on the enterprise and acts like this equality equity thing is 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 a foreign concept to them
0: i don't know it seems like in order to be a starfleet admiral you have to like i don't know like take an asshole test and pass it
1: <laughs> right that's what it feels like because like the whole federation like so like i think of it in terms of like my school right mm-hmm. like we have an anti-racist mandate in my school so i would assume that every school not just mine is trying to be anti-racist and if our superintendent came in and just started saying all this racist stuff i'd be like we're an anti-racist school my dude <laughs> you know like what are you doing here not following the rules of the federation you know what i mean like isn't it supposed to be like across the board everybody's kind of in this utopia but see they try to explore now problems in this perfect utopia and that brings me back to why would anybody work because why i I get why they'd put Lal to work to give her socialization but why the hell does gynan work that woman doesn't want to be there 20 hours a day slinging drinks
0: she likes listening to people i
1: guess but i mean if you only have to work when you want to and not when you don't want to you're not working full days and always in your bar no
0: absolutely yeah no if if we're working just you know it, it, not if we aren't trying to feed the capitalist machine right uh... A work day might be three or four hours um, doing something that you are personally motivated to do without any money
1: or any motivation. Yeah, you're not. And you, even if it is your like passion, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm working on an art project right now that I'm really excited about, but I still take breaks from it. I still uh-huh. have to sleep. I don't work at eight hours a day, set a time clock and go and make sure I'm open set hours and stuff like that, working on my art project. So the whole thing where they're like Guinan works, it bothers me. It also bothers I mean, so then I was like, why would they put her to work? Because I but then I get the socialization part of it. But that's where I thought school would be better. I was really pissed off at that oh. school lady, though. She needs to be fired and, you know, go work at the same principal as the guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off because <laughs> like, dude, the fact they're not comfortable around the new species is not her problem. It's their problem, and you should do something about it.
0: It's the teacher's problem, because the teacher needs to tell, well, students, there's nothing wrong with Lal. She's just different the way some, like...
1: Because what's going to happen when they meet an alien the kids had never met before?
0: I'm pretty sure there are alien kids on the ship, so, like, she just needs to, to, you know, broach it in that way. I mean, like, yeah, no, uh, that was... um, Obviously, a lot of this is just, you know trying to tell the story of a new parent and with all the struggles that a parent has to deal with, like, Oh, my kid's getting bullied at school. Uh, Oh, CPS is coming for me. Stuff like that. Right. And um, so because of that, because of data now, I mean, the fact that data is an Android, which is a new type of being uh, that, that does allow them to like put a a sci-fi veneer on it to explain why, they might be getting discriminated against, whereas aliens on the ship wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, you know, the any kind of social issue that you examine through a sci-fi allegory is going to be imperfect. Um, And it's going to lead to these long discussions about, well, why is the Federation this way in these regards? But in these other regards, they sound like they're from 1990.
1: Right. And that's because they're exploring contemporary problems in a supposed future thing and so we kind of just have to like okay we'll just let that one go but sometimes we got to bring them up because that's why we're here talking to each other about the episode (laughs) um so one of the weird things that he said was do you think this is an appropriate place for her to be the guy who doesn't even see her as a child and thinks she's just a robot is now concerned about the like morality of this girl being in a bar and i'm like wesley comes in here other kids come in here this guy's never been on a starship before like I'm so confused about these Starfleet people. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> so the the big thing, the, the 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 finale of the episode is when Lau is told that they want to take her away from Data. Mm-hmm. She has a panic attack.
1: Yeah she does like a heartbreak like it felt it looked like it looked to me the way she looked and the way it it sounded like she felt to me it felt like that feeling when you like break up with someone and you're they break up with you and you're not expecting it it was like this moment of like i I don't know she acted it so well whoever that actress is yeah
0: and like she goes to deanna and deanna's like you are having emotions and like of course that's why they had to send it to deanna because deanna is the one who can sense them so if she says it then you know okay no like data did something here she actually has emotions right but there's like uh a uh an error in in the uh, the positronic brain that's causing like a cascade failure and so it sounds like a lot of these uh um ways in which she was advancing beyond him were as a result of that like being able to use contractions or starting to feel emotions right and so she's starting to die
1: and by this point for some reason he had an epiphany and he and the starfleet guy the i am starfleet he says at one yeah. point um he decides oh shit we can't let this kid die well of <laughs> course, he goes not. in and helps
0: <laughs> yeah. remember you have when you look at it from his point of view he is all he's always been acting in what he believes is lao's best interest he wants lao to succeed as an android he just right. thinks that he's better equipped to do that at, at his uh, uh station right and yeah. so of course Once she's dying, he's going to put aside whatever animus he's got with data to try and save the life of this android.
1: And they both work at it for a really long time with a really bad android cap on her head. uh, Because, like, we come to that scene, and I'm like, why is she suddenly looking like she's wearing a giant wig on her head? You know? And then I realized, because they lifted her hair up. Um, But, yeah, and I mean, Data and her get to have their final
0: goodbyes
1: and their final moments, and it was really sweet.
0: It, like, I I was crying watching this episode even before like she started to die just because i knew it was coming yeah and just that that bit where it's her final moments and she tells data i love you and he says he regrets he's like i i i regret that i cannot uh love you back and she says well i will love uh, i will have enough love for both of us right or something like that yeah and then she just kind of Sundowns and like the start saying words that kind of like go backwards to the, her earlier stages of learning about yeah. things and then it's she so shuts sweet
1: down. and then she shuts down I know it was a very sweet episode and then he goes back to the bridge and he tells her that she died or they tell he tells them that they died and like they're all, all the humans are sadder than data obviously right well not mm-hmm. humans all the non-androids are sadder than data and he says he's not sad blah 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 he, but he put his memory into her into his head so he'll always have all of her memories and I thought yes because you are becoming more human because that mm-hmm. is a very human thing to do to hold on to this thing you know i've been talking about grief a lot this week at school because we had someone die at our school we had two someone's die that go to our school and um so there's been a lot of discussion about it and i've been talking about how grief isn't like a straight line how you think you're feeling better and then it's more like you're a ball in a circle and you're just bouncing around and every time you hit the wall it hurts again right which is very very much like data like it he I feel like every time he has one of these episodes, like Measure of a Man and then this one, he's just becoming more and more of a person. Mm -hmm. And he is becoming one of the most interesting characters to watch develop because he has the most development to go. Well, Him him and Wesley, I think.
0: He actually has a conversation with Lau about this. Um, because she is saying, "Well, you will never be able to achieve some of the things that humans can do. So why do you try?" And he said, "Well, because getting those things isn't isn't what you know isn't what's important. It's the the, the struggle to be better than you were before, to, right. to continually improve yourself. That that is what gives life meaning." And. Because yeah.
1: he's, he's on that eternal, you know, search for the meaning of life, you know. And that's mm-hmm. what it is. He's trying to find meaning in life. So now that we've had this episode, all of our main characters almost have had random children. We have Wharf, Deanna, and Data have all had random children episodes. Um, so we need Picard to have a random child. Geordi, Wesley, and O'Brien. And I think everyone will have had a child.
0: Huh. Um Let me. I'm trying to think. I I think eventually uh, everyone that you mentioned, except for Wesley, do. Um, Okay. Oh would be a little weird for wesley to have a kid because he is a kid i don't think they want to tell that story um <laughs> yeah
1: but i mean i started realizing towards the end i was like oh so this is like the time deanna got pregnant with steven universe or the time that um <laughs> that Wharf adopted that kid we never saw again <laughs> and, you know i was like so like this trope is kind of getting used up you know this one time use kid like trope but then they keep perfecting it it gets better every time like mm-hmm. deanna's was the first one and i was kind of like meh about that episode <laughs> and then you know warf's was pretty good and this was the best one so far so maybe hopefully we won't keep seeing the same trope over and over again but it, it is an interesting one that they choose um i mean yeah because i was because i don't count beverly she already has a kid you yeah. know like i was going through who doesn't have kids yet and those are the ones i could think of but i loved these episodes they were sweet, they were lovely. I liked them a lot. I feel like these are the episodes when people talk about season 3 being really, really good. These must be the episodes people are talking about, you know. Um,
0: yesterday's Enterprise is uh like basically almost always at the top of everyone's list of like the best episodes of Star Trek. It's not one of my top 3, but it is it is way up there. I get why
1: people like it. I don't know if I'd put it even in my top five of the ones I've seen, but I get why people like it.
0: And The Offspring, I think, uh, is a it's a very human story.
1: It is. It's so relatable. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can see it from all sorts of perspectives. You can either see it from a parent perspective or from a child perspective or even just like a human being perspective because we get attachments to people and we lose them you know so but i loved these episodes so i'm very excited like i was surprised like that they were so good because i have been frustrated by a couple of the episodes recently but these were good i enjoyed them and we're coming up on the end of season three which i know is people's some of people's favorite episodes we named our show after them
0: (laughs) yeah uh, let me see we have um one two three four five six seven eight nine ten so we got 10 more so we're about like two-thirds through
1: we're getting there yeah and i mean i assume they're only going to get better from here
0: (laughs) i love these episodes
1: um so i think that's everything for today thanks for joining us i'm ari and i'm gayfesh and until next time
0: live long and prosper thanks for listening if you enjoyed it don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service we're on twitter at rest both worlds join our patreon at patreon.com slash rest of both worlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode